welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. My name is Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Glad to have you here again for another episode of our pod where we look at the business ins and outs of the coronavirus crisis, looking at what recruiters are doing, looking at how the market's being reshaped and some of the policies the government are putting in place to support the economy at this time when we've had to make public health a priority. This week, lots going on at uh, your REC. I think a couple of things I'd draw your attention to. Firstly, we, earlier in the week, we launched our new mental health hub on the REC's new website. Lots of fantastic resources there that really useful at a time like this when we're all thinking about our resilience and uh, supporting colleagues through what is an unprecedented time. But also when we uh, get back to whatever that new normal is, keeping that focus on mental health in the workplace and around the workplace and in our home lives, really important to people having fulfilling work and personal lives. So lots there, videos, blogs, fascinating stuff from our REC team, but also from some key partners. So do check that out. The other thing I'd mention is we just uh, launched the new REC jobs recovery tracker with our uh, friends and colleagues at EMSI. That's a new bit of REC data that is really looking into how we recover from uh, the current crisis and the pace in different sectors and local areas. So it's the first time we've had the capacity to report regularly on jobs postings data from individual cities and local authorities areas and individual classes of employment. So that'll be coming out regularly from now on, tracking the path of the recovery from coronavirus and should give you a really powerful tool to talk to clients and colleagues, but also to get a picture of which parts of the uh, of the market are uh, livening up most quickly as we come out of this current period. On today's podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, how the market's reshaping and uh, thinking about the different things that the client side is looking at, how the uh, relationships with third parties like agencies will, will change going forward really focused on good recruitment. Of course, the REC looks after the Good Recruitment Collective. That's 500 client-side businesses who are committed to high standards and strong candidate experience. To help us do that, I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast uh, Ruth Penfold, who is a people practice lead at Launchpad. Welcome, Ruth. Really glad that you've been able to join us today. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Why don't you start by uh, telling the listeners a little bit about Launchpad as a business and then maybe we'll have a chat about how your life's changed over the last few months from there. Sure. Well, Launchpad is a new business. We're only just over a year old and we're proudly owned by BP and we were created by BP as a business accelerator to help grow and enable new businesses in the energy space. So we've, we very much kind of get involved with um, helping those businesses to fine tune and, and get ready for scale. So we're very much part of the kind of energy transformation. That's fantastic. And of course, in, if you think about energy and potentially the crisis as an amplifier of trends, BP as a business is looking at the gradual winding down of carbon-based energy sources and there's a real potential boom in energy businesses looking at other sustainable sources with that gradual change over the years and decades to come. So it might, that, that kind of accelerator role is, uh, even though Launchpad is quite small, is critical to the future of the whole BP group, isn't it? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And just as we are proud to be part of them, they are very proud of us too. The feeling is most definitely mutual. So thinking about your role and and the crisis as you've experienced it so far and thinking about the way you handle talent attraction, onboarding and people practice more broadly at LaunchPad, what are the things that you've taken away from the crisis so far as points of reflection and, and points around how your approach has changed? Oh, so I think, I mean, the biggest reflection for me personally was actually just how how delighted I am to be working with essentially BP as our parent organization. I've been blown away by the truly people-centric approach of BP when it comes to everything that happened immediately when we sort of all quite realized where we were. So for me, on a personal level, what I was delighted by is that I feel truly aligned to the organization that owns the Launchpad, which is wonderful because as a people person, I'm phenomenally people-centric and I place love at the heart of basically everything that I do. So when it comes to the way that on a, on a kind of, that's kind of macro level BP, but on a micro level Launchpad and how we are, We are a business that works in an agile way. So we have daily stand-ups across the organization, which means that we're a business very used to coming together, but also we're a very new business, right? So we're still forming. We're still creating those dynamics as a team. What was really incredible was, was seeing the way that our culture has evolved by staying true to the agile ceremonies that we work in, by moving our daily stand-ups into the virtual world, and by deploying a bit like a sort of SWAT team, uh, we call them the culture squad, who were a sort of um, cross-functional team of people who came together to cook up different ideas and ways of working that meant that we could still keep growing the culture of the new organization that we were building, but do it in a remote way. So we actually cooked up something rather fabulous, which we called the Festival of Culture, which is a virtual festival that runs online from, it was sort of from April to June time. So we're still right in the mid, we're we're in festival season right now. And that festival involves things that are linked to one of our core ways of working, which is, which is that we hustle. So we've had guest speakers who are sort of founders and entrepreneurs to help people kind of learn that way of working. We've had team training sessions on things like how to have better coaching conversations with one another and how to recruit effectively. So we're using this time to sort of come together in workshop groups to develop ourselves and one another. And then perhaps most critical of all has been our well-being talks. Well-being in particular, mental well-being has very much been a point of focus from, from BP and kind of organization wide which very much, again, correlates with with how we set those things up within the launch pad. What you've identified there is a really strong, I mean, what we'd call in resourcing and recruitment employee brand, but actually it's about culture and team values and ethics, which you know identifies the, the launch pad as a certain type of business. Um, and clearly how people come to that is important and, you know, acknowledging that your plans will look very different now from the way they did in February and frankly will not yet be as clear as as they would normally be because all of this is so uncertain. 
how are you thinking about how people come to the launch pad in terms of bringing people into that kind of culture and behaviours that you're building on the team you've described for us already? You're quite right. You know, the the whole um, workforce, the whole everything that we're doing in businesses right now, you know, we're having to sense check month by month where we are. But we are still a new organisation ourselves and we are building new organisations too. So what we're doing is essentially doubling down on our uh, the cultural reinforcement from the inside out and then planning how we are able to allow that to reflect out into the world around us and start to make people aware of what we're up to, what we're all about and what we're doing, even if they're not people that we plan to hire right now. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't be thinking in terms of sharing our stories so that at such time as we are hiring, we are able to access that those um, talented humans that we'd really like to access. And the same goes for our residents. So, I mean, I think, but I think the clarity of that external tone of voice only comes from the clarity of the internal tone of voice. So that comes with getting really good at comms. I think it's something that, that people often overlook, but it's something you mentioned earlier. Trying to create as much transparency as you possibly can. Be real, be as real as you possibly can, right? I think one of the one of the rather magical side effects of what we of the situation that we find ourselves in is that suddenly, because we've been thrown into one another's personal lives in a way that we hadn't been before, we've done more for developing those relationships, particularly when it comes to leadership groups and their their relationships with their wider organization and workforce. Um, because suddenly those people have become human. And suddenly you can see their home environment, their family dynamics, the situation that they're in. So I actually think that the intimacy that that's actually created with one another will go a a long way in organizations like ours that are new and like those that we're supporting because, you know, you're really getting to know one another at quite a base level in a way that might take years if you were just to pop into the office to see one another every day. And certainly from a Launchpad leadership group standpoint, we instinctively lead with heart and therefore we are all open and honest about exactly where we are on the day. That So if we're having a bad day, we, we actually we acknowledge that to our to our teams and our colleagues. And by doing so, we give them the, the invitation to do the same. So so I think I think really a bit like on a personal level, if something's wrong in your world or something doesn't quite feel right, and if someone said that to me, I'd be like, double down on how much you're investing in yourself and how much loving energy you are try- you are putting into your own world right now. And the same, same at a business level. If something is a bit wonky in the outside world, double down on your commitment to one another um, and then have the mind's eye on how you start to share the, share some of the magic that you're creating internally, externally, so that at such time as you are ready to kickstart your hiring again, whether you've paused it or whether you haven't, some people haven't, you know, then, then you're really in a strong position as an organization. That's kickstarted so much for me, thinking about what sticks from this period versus what snaps back into what was happening before in this kind of new normal. I, w- I was reflecting uh, that, you know, the, the best studies suggest that it takes the av- on average, it takes a human being 69 days to develop a new habit. 
So we are not very far away from that point. I do wonder how much state is back. But if I think about one of the biggest challenges that I perceived last year when I was doing sort of HR director sessions on, you know, solving your talent problems for, for various REC partners, it was always this conundrum. And I, and I suspect it is easier in new organisations and organisations that are smaller because you can achieve alignment with greater personal interaction across the team. But that piece around if 77% of British chief execs say talent is the thing that keeps them awake at night, how are we not quite there on addressing that in the way that we should be you know a lot of uh, i'm not sure that flows through to a, to a lot of the kind of discussions in uh, between clients and agencies about recruitment processes whereas if you've got a much clearer sense of it being all about people and you know you've called out bp's culture in that regard and it's, it's certainly true that that's building on a long history that bp have had of taking a very people focused approach how we use that level of openness about ourselves as people from chief executive through the whole organization to build a a kind of more people-specific route to how we work with partners around communicating what the offer is and attracting people into the business. That seems to me to be a really big opportunity coming out of this to grab hold of some of what we've discovered and stick with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the world of work is evolving and some of us have long been aware that our employees are now our customers, right? And that ultimately we need to be thinking just as a few years ago we realised, hang on a minute, we might need to start thinking about a customer experience. Uh, you know, some of us, uh, I like to use the word woke, uh, the, the more woke amongst us. Um, have been uh, considering for um, for a while that uh, you know actually employee experience and how we met how we look at what that is is going to be critical when it comes to attracting and retaining talent and how that works. I think that even more progressive businesses have been reluctant at the idea of remote working and reluctant at the idea of you know, you know, if people are at home, are they really going to be productive? And how's that going to work? And, and it just kind of freaked everybody out, I think. But I do think that I think, I think that this will mark the change for many organisations where there's a much more people centric, more flexible approach, which will mean that one size won't fit all. So for some people, it suits them very well to go into an office. And that's very much how they like to structure their lives. For other people, actually, they they actually work really well either at home or whatever 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 the working structure is that works for them. So, I, and I think that's only one point. When it comes to flexibility, there's also a huge spectrum. Like, so I am brilliant in the morning. I am on fire, but you catch me at about six o'clock, and I'm literally like a child that's run out of steam. Like my brain, my frontal lobe is fuzzy. I'm like. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> because I wake up super early, so I front load my days in that way, right? And I'm no different. You know, there are people who are, are who come alive at night. And, you know, companies and organizations are realizing that actually what they want really is 
to create the best experience for their people, that means allowing those people to work around a rhythm that actually supports them best. But I think it's our role, therefore, as employers to help to support people to figure out really their most effective operating model and give them the toolkit to be successful within that. However, we evolve and however we're making decisions when it comes to when we decide to return to the office and what that looks like. I think that's absolutely crucial insight in terms of thinking about how we structure the management relationships that we're going to have now. Because I, I do I do think we spent a lot long time uh, thinking about employee value proposition uh, as a kind of one size fits all. If we've got the right plan, then everything will work. Whereas, you know, I you know, I come up from an employee relations background. And so I naturally start with the principle of this person is an individual and what do they need from their working experience? And what do I need as a company from them in terms of productivity? And then I think there's a huge opportunity here. We get stuck in a debate about productivity in the in the UK that is all about almost a kind of factory style understanding of output per hour. Whereas if you look at some of the thinking you've just been outlining and the thinking that, for instance, someone like Bruce Daisley would put in his Joy of Work book about starting from the human being and working to the outcome that works for both them and their employer. That's a very different conversation to have and it requires a very different skill set. And it's you know relevant to our members at the REC because they're looking at a very a model where you know a, a, a desk has always been in the office together and the metrics are pretty clear and and actually how you make a success and an opportunity of what we're doing now where for a reasonable amount of time it's likely people will be working at home even as the market recovers it's been notable i was talking to lorraine larry the head of our legal helpline earlier today and she was observing that we're starting to get questions on the legal helpline and they're not really legal questions but we're thinking about how we can help at the rec uh, about well you know how do you approach managing in this new world and it does it changes everything about what you're asking of managers so there's a different sort of support structure that you have to put in place isn't there absolutely but i i do think that particularly in the tech in the startup space you know the way that we equip managers is critical right what we've actually done at launchpad is create a, a culture that actually uh, leans away from a, a, a more traditional manager employee model and we actually empower people to select themselves well actually some of them are pre-selected if they're joining but um we call them performance coaches, and we have those people working to enable growth in, in one another. So we actually make sure that everybody, and in fact, one of the trainings that I was just talking about as part of the Festival of Culture, that was training for the whole organization on how to have a coaching conversation with one another. Um, because actually, I don't think this traditional model of you know the manager needing to be the person that's always facilitating those kinds of conversations, actually making it a two-way street can be incredibly powerful. Um, I mean, goodness, don't get me started on reverse mentoring. I think that's a phenomenal thing indeed. But I, yeah, I mean, I think that everybody within the whole organization could be learning you know, leadership skills so that we can all have them in our toolbox for as and when we need them. But absolutely those who are leading others 
you know, it's critical that they have support, particularly in the here and now. But that means supporting them, right? It's that yeah. overlooked group. Forgive the phrase, but it's kind of like the wounded healer. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to fix stuff for you, but actually things aren't okay for me. So I do think that an, in a very holistic way, the way that um, we are facilitating growth in our people has to come from the inside out. We have to be um, inspiring people to get to know themselves better and how they work and what their triggers are and how they operate in the world. And then from that place of kind of knowledge of self, that's where you can really tap into authentic leadership, whether you're leading others or not. And until you kind of get to that platform of knowledge and understanding of self, it's very hard to develop a transparent, authentic relationship with others. Um, you might think you have a good relationship, but, but human beings can sniff out lack of authenticity a mile away, right? We all know, yeah. we just know. And people make the mistake of thinking that, that if they kind of put up enough smoke and hold up enough mirrors, then people aren't gonna quite realize what lies beneath. So yeah, I mean, my, 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 my approach to people development is holistic. It is from the inside out. It gives people tools, but it also invites people to go on their own journey so that they can really level up and grow into the leaders that I know that every single person can be. I think that's powerful. And you think about leadership less as a job and more as a behavior, which is certainly something that, that speaks to kind of my approach, you know, as a chief executive at the REC. And thinking, you know, almost the counterintuitive thing about asking yourself the question as a business leader, how do I invest in my people now? even if you are having to make cutbacks in other parts of the business because of the trading position, that process about how are you building the, the kind of the, the ability for the organization to succeed over the short, medium and long term seems to me to be right at the heart of things. And I think it is the difference between sort of the classic FD position, which is very focused on the numbers. If you're the chief exec, as a business leader, the managing director, you don't need to be the finance director. The finance director will do the job. Your job is to think about the numbers in the context of the people. And I do think that giving some form of equality to that in, in leadership is helpful to addressing some of these things. And that's fascinating about your thinking and your approach at the launch pad. You know the REC, Ruth, and you know the core of our membership are working in agency, uh, our agencies, thinking about how we can better serve clients in this mid and post COVID world with some of these trends that I, I do think are have just been amplified by the crisis. Right? They, they certainly existed before. If you were thinking about recruitment businesses who were looking to partner, say, with the Launchpad or businesses generally, what, what sort of bits of advice would you give them in terms of interacting in this this kind of relationship rather than, yeah, fr frankly, what might 10 or 15 years ago have been quite a transactional relationship? Sure. I mean, I think I think my focus uh, would remain very kind of human first, right? So I would be thinking about what, how can I add value? What is it that these businesses are facing right now? And how can how can I harness the energy? How can I, we, harness the energy of the, the network and the, the space that we're operating in to provide value to the businesses that we're seeking to support? So it might be that you start to, I don't know, host talks looking at 
um, you know, perhaps it's an online panel, a, view, a virtual talk or something that's looking at perhaps the future work, um, the, the future working world and how that's going to evolve. Perhaps you're providing toolkits on how to hire effectively remotely and how to structure an interview process to really get to know someone knowing that you might not meet them in person. It might be that you're providing guidance on things like remote onboarding, how to do it well, and, and, and you know, that you start to canvas your other clients to learn more about how they're doing things. And then maybe you can start to become the source of wisdom for other people about how that works. But I would also just I would I would invite you all to get creative, right? So anything that exists right now is prime for disruption. So have a think about in your ideal world, how would you like the world to be? And then see if you can canvas other people and get them to prescribe to your way of thinking. I mean, that's essentially most founders story, right? It depends on whatever it is. But there's definitely an opportunity at the moment to reinvent how teams are structured. So maybe that you might spark some sort of ideas within your clients and and help facilitate a dialogue. Maybe it's a roundtable discussion. You know, these are the sorts of things that for me to invest my time with you at a time when I have a huge amount of workload because of the situation that we're in right now, there has to be some kind of value add. There has to be something that I'm going to get that's going to be useful for me in my business right now, even when I'm not necessarily hiring. So that would be the way that I would frame it. That would be the way that I'd be thinking if I was if I was once again working within an agency environment. I think that's really well put together as a as a message, Ruth. And I, you know, from from our perspective, I talk a lot with members about ensuring that we're, the question we're asking ourselves is how do I solve this business's problem which requires quite a lot. It requires you to understand the business and the uh, and the strategy, which speaks into the that, that kind of holistic nature of the people planning inside uh, the Launchpad, a link to the, what the Launchpad is trying to achieve as a business. But it's also about understand the client starting point and then what's the suite of things that, that you can offer that, that will make a difference so that they you're thinking more about the client's business than you are necessarily about how do I drive my business's top line? Because I think that transition builds in a lot of things that we've talked a lot about in the industry for a long time and we're starting to grasp hold of, you know, the, the switch from a, from a transaction-based relationship to a more service-based relationship and that kind of investment, very interesting that you put so much... Uh, store by the kind of thought leadership piece in that answer, that that kind of investment in how are you helping us to shape our understanding of the challenge that we've set ourselves, all of that for me feels like the right challenge back to the industry at a time like this. And obviously, a, a kind of major recession such as we're in now, you've got that moment to pause and think about, well, how do we build back better? And I think that 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 ask is a big one because actually. Recruitment as a, you know, as a, you know, I entered my recruitment agency job in the year 2000. We haven't actually changed that much in that time. We've changed a bit, but I do think, you know, the, 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 the world that we're now sitting in and amongst, it's inviting us to, to dig a bit deeper and uh, see what we might be able to cook up next.
Yeah, and I think actually one of the advantages of this moment, and obviously the situation is terrible, public health grounds, but it's also a real challenge economically. Lots of people are suffering. But one of the opportunities here is probably forcing business leaders in the industry back into that strategic space of what are we trying to achieve? Because it's very easy in a in a moderate to good market to keep sweating uh, the business model if the business model is delivering some returns, even if they're diminishing a little over time. Real, it's very obvious in the history of organisations that real innovation takes place more at the bottom of the market than at the top. Look at the businesses that were founded in the great financial crisis. So I think that's a really good place actually to draw things together about that encouragement for the sector to be innovative in its service offering and thinking about how it solves problems for clients who are operating themselves in fundamentally new and different and disrupted ways. There's a takeaway for our listeners. It's also a takeaway for the REC, frankly, in terms of how we support businesses in the in the sector and Ruth let's just finish by saying thank you very much for giving us your time this afternoon oh you're very welcome it's been a pleasure Neil thank you we'll speak again no doubt but thank you everyone for tuning into this edition of the REC podcast you'll find all of our back catalogue on the REC website and at your usual podcast uh, source this is episode 17 of our COVID specific talking recruitment series if you're hungry for more after uh, listening to Ruth and I just now why not try podcast 16 with Didi Doak the editor of Recruiter on how the industry is coping with this time a really good listen if you fancy a bit of uh, labour market thinking and uh, public policy thinking about where we go next uh, Torsten Bell of the uh, Resolution Foundation on the path to recovery in pod 15 And uh, if you're thinking about uh, the experience of leadership and uh, crisis leadership inside some of the bigger firms in our industry, heartily recommend Pod 14 uh, with Bev White of Harvey Nash and Jeremy McGrail of the staffing group talking about how the the crisis has played out for them in two of our biggest firms at different parts of the industry. But for now, thank you very much for listening and uh, look forward to bringing you more food for thought on a future episode of the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.